Hi, welcome back to Luis Honey Strategies Podcast. I'm Wes. I am Clinton Kenneth Manning the first. Today, Wesley and I are actually in my house, which is super weird. We're normally at his place, but his wife has the COVID trying to get everyone sick, so we had to relocate. But uh, we're here, and I got a buddy from college, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about goose and duck hunting, as well as some uh, some thermal coyote hunting. So if you want to introduce yourself. Thanks for having me. Ty Haugen here. Uh, been waterfowl hunting for, oh, probably since I was 16, and just kind of getting into the thermal side here in the last probably four or five years. That's super, super cool. We, we've gone before in previous years, and I, uh, with that thermal, as he's saying, he can actually hook that up to his phone, and I feel like one of them little iPad kids looking at his phone while he's, like, searching the fields. It is, like, the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. The technology they're putting in these scopes nowadays is just crazy. Yeah, so let's uh, let's start it off on my absolute favorite subject of waterfowl. And <laughs> agreed, <laughs> you uh, you talked about uh, a South Dakota trip this year you took. Let's uh, let's hear about that. Yeah, so normally we just hunt around the hometown, and this year we got oh a wild wind and decided, hey, we're gonna go freelancing in South Dakota. So I believe sometime in July we had to put in. Um, it's a lottery system in South Dakota. So we had to get, we had to download the, just like the Iowa Outdoors app, you got to do the South Dakota app. And we put in, um, y'all had to have the same ID so that you could get drawn as a group. You have a better chance as a group than individual. So we did that um, sometime in, probably get this wrong, probably in October maybe i think it was in october we found out that we all drew as a group so then it was like all right this is real we're gonna go do this um we got a 16 foot enclosed trailer uh we really didn't want to drag that out there so we found one of the buddies uh his dad had a 12 foot enclosed trailer so a little smaller buck the wind out there so we uh condensed down and we we actually previous we went around and we started asking people because some guys um, that we knew had already been to like North Dakota South Dakota they've done this before so we're like well what's the tips and tricks you got for us so they're like well to conserve space you know silhouettes and silhouettes is just you know that what is it it's like the polyboard yep. almost like a cardboard with a stake and it's like well we don't even hunt with those so then it's like all right. We got to find some. So we buy five dozen of dive bomb. And it's like, well, all right. Broke down and b- some of them yuffie kids, you know, <laughs> buying Sitka and dive bomb. And it's like, oh boy, here we go. Okay. So is it five dozen of those like silhouettes? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, silhouettes. So you bought 60 decoys just for this trip. Just for this trip. Well, and then, and then, you know, there's ducks. We could run into snow geese, ducks, geese, you know. Um, so we were like, we got to be prepared for everything so you just kind of bought a plethora of the silhouettes then yeah so we had never had owned silhouettes our group just it's full about full bodies or nothing we don't we don't do silhouettes um is there uh is there a big difference from ducks or geese coming into the silhouettes than it is the regular decoys or well it's all about who you ask you know some people are panel blind and a-frame lovers and some people say oh you can only kill them in a layout blind you know so 
I'm sure all this would make sense to Levi. I know like three words he just said there. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's there's lovers of each, you know, it's a hate-love relationship. Some days it's like if you hunt out of an A-frame panel blind, it's like, well, if we were in layouts, we would have killed them and vice versa. It's like you're trying to make a make a fence line or a waterway in the middle of a field and it's like well that wasn't there yesterday (laughs) (laughs) i I guess that makes sense but all right so we went from you bought eighteen thousand of these silhouettes let's run from there (laughs) yeah so we picked let's see i believe we took about seven dozen dart you know canadian geese full bodies um and we got a, a sx sled that's actually on a otter the sx makes a uh it's almost like a, you know, like an ice fish house, but it's just a, you take an otter sled, you put uh, poles, mount the brackets on each four corners of the sled. They got poles that go up about two and a half, three feet, and it has a canvas that goes around it, and then it has a lid, and they got buckles on there. So you can fit about six, seven dozen full bodies in there. So it was like all the all the geese are going to fit in there. We have uh, our... Uh, ducks full body ducks or sx's and they have a uh, tail loop on them so you take your your uh clip and you you know you have a dozen decoys on each clip so we took i believe we took we took six dozen uh geese and we took six dozen ducks we took uh buddy does a lot of snow goose hunting so we had like four four or five bags of uh snow goose socks um, I believe there's 10 dozen socks per bag. Jeez. So we, <laughs> you guys went out heavy. <laughs> we went out heavy. Um, I think we actually went out light, but sure. it, it was enough to, uh, get the job done. So, I mean, this 12, 12 foot trailer was packed. I mean, we had, we don't have a, or uh, panel blinds. We have a frames. Um, so we had two a frames. Uh, we had, five blinds you know all the decoys we had rakes shovels um we actually took some cornstalk bales we didn't know what we were gonna run into um we figured we were gonna be hunting water but you know south dakota's just like iowa i mean other than they actually had water and we don't so out in south dakota were you down in like the plains part yeah we were let's see we were uh about two hours into South Dakota, about mm, just off center, just this side. So just right on the other side of Sioux City, pretty much. Yeah, uh, we were forty minutes from Sioux City, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just tell everyone your spot. That's fine. Oh, <laughs> we were. Yeah. yeah. Public or private? So the good thing about South Dakota, it's got enough uh, public. There's actually they call them like walk-in programs, mm-hmm. so you can, even though like a private landowner owns it as long as it's marked you can actually utilize the ground they got a little bit of that around here too starting to pop up yeah yeah it's getting bigger in iowa but south dakota north dakota is the same way sure kind of um other than if it's not posted you can hunt it and a lot of people in north dakota they'll actually put their name and their phone number and everything like right on the no trespassing sign sure that's what I do on my farm as well. Oh. Because yeah, I figure, because like in Iowa, it's legal to track an animal if you have blood. Right. But I on my no trespassing signs, my name, my phone number, so then people can just let me know so I don't have to run out to my farm to go shoot a trespasser that's just tracking a deer or something. 
yeah. <laughs> so, so you hit this public land. Did you guys like scout this on X before? Or how did you find this public land? So we actually, so in South Dakota, when you get drawn, you have to pick your dates. You get two, what is it, five-day periods. You get a set of five. You get two weeks. You get a week, uh, one week that you set up, and then you can pick your next week. So we picked one week, and then we set our other dates further back in the year because we thought maybe if this was good, we'd go later in the year. Um, so we picked our dates, and we picked our starting time you have to pick your starting time as that saturday so we actually left thursday night got out there friday and then it was like well now it's time to drive so we uh we stayed at a hotel um in Desmet, south dakota cool place um almost every we actually met up with some other guys out there and went to their uh airbnb and like every place that is rented out, they have cleaning stations. They're super cool. Huh. Um, this hotel, it's on the uh, east side of DeSmet, right when you come in. I mean, they had dog kennels. They had freezers and fridges you could use. Um, there was stainless steel sink. You could clean your birds. A lot of pheasant hunters out there when we were there as well. Um, and then you uh, package your birds, you know, at the end of the day and put them in the fridge. And <laughs> it's like. Well, they get stolen, they get stolen. But, uh, no, everybody was good out there. Um, that hotel was packed every single night. I believe that. But, uh, yeah, so when we got there on Friday, we uh, unhooked the trailer and left it there at the hotel, and we we started driving. Um, we, had a, we had an idea where we were going to go. We used Onyx to uh, kind of find different bodies of water to go check. Um. We went right, it was when North Dakota, it was right when Iowa got that first cold spell this year. Um, and North Dakota got like six inches of snow or so. So we knew the ducks were still like north of us. And we had talked to other people and said, yeah, the ducks are still in Canada. The geese, the ducks, everything was still in the Can or Canada or North Dakota. They haven't got to South Dakota yet. Well, when that snow got there, it was like, all right, we might have planned this, like, perfect this year. Started pushing them down, I take it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, once once that snow hits, they're like, eh, we're out of here. Yep. So what's the what's the limit out there? It's still the same here? Yeah, so you get six ducks, um, geese. Geese is more. You get, I think it was seven. We never did get our limit of geese, so. That's awesome. Around here, it's two until a certain day, and then until, it's three, right? Yeah, until November. This year is actually like the last weekend in October. Um, we got to go to three, but yeah, we only get to shoot three geese. Yeah, and now you get to shoot like seven when you're in Sodak. Yeah. That's so cool. It was nuts. And then snow geese, we could have shot like, I think it was like 20 per person, 25 per person. Like It was like we could just murder <laughs> these things if we got them to come in. Yeah, that that I mean, it sounds like it would be a ball if you like limit it out every day. I can imagine what you do with all that meat. Right. All right. So Friday, you guys are driving around to these bodies of water with the the snow. Did you find the birds on that first spot you marked it on X, or did you guys have to find somewhere else? So the first or that Friday, it was actually like warm that previous week, so every body of water was open. There was no ice. It was beautiful out there. So everybody water you drove by had ducks. But come to find out, I mean, here's a pro tip. 
when you're trying to we we have five guys we're on short amount of you know uh looking and scouting time so it's like we need to focalize our points and then just keep an eye on those points so it was like we need to find bodies of water or feeds because i mean at night they go out and in the mornings they go out and feed in the fields so it's like we need to find a field or a body of water that has more than a thousand of anything whatever species so i mean you really had to because i mean in iowa hell you drive past a pond it's like oh there's like a hundred ducks or a hundred geese it's like ooh, you know this is good well out there a hundred hundred ducks on a pond it's like yeah keep driving (laughs) it's like that's nothing it was like it's really hard to not you know just look past and you know the first ponds we're looking at them for like 15 minutes it's like oh look at all those green heads or you know there's a bunch of bunch of pintails out there or something and it was like all right we got to keep moving got to keep moving because the more miles the more scenery you see and so we we actually drove i mean i put two tanks of gas in my truck i mean I think I can go like 400 miles. I mean, we put close to 800 miles on that day. Nice. I mean, we were going up and down and up and down. Um, every single road we could go. The only thing about South Dakota is they don't have roads every square mile like Wright County. Mm-hmm. So we were going down like low maintenance roads and all kinds of stuff. And luckily, it hadn't ran or rain. Uh, that previous week or for a good while because the road was actually dry. Um, they said, we actually talked to one person before we went out. He's like, well, get ready because your truck's going to be a mess. Um, but, no, luckily the whole time we were there, uh, the last day it actually snowed on us. But by that time we already had our spot for that morning. So Perfect. And it was a nice dry road. So, yeah. really, we didn't get all that muddy, which is good. But uh, – so we, I mean, that first day, all we did was drive. And it was by, you know, looking through the glass and driving. And we'd mark on Onyx, you know, this pond had so many ducks or so many geese or that nature. Um, so then that night, we actually, all right, now we need to start calling. Because, you know, tomorrow we can hunt. Um, the, the landowners out there were very... Uh, if you if you made friends with them, it, if you weren't going up there and just being a dick, yep. you were you were good to go. Almost everybody said yes. So in that aspect, it was like, that's great, you know. So we were uh, trying to find something, calling around, trying to find numbers. That's a real pain sometimes. Um, we actually went to the local bar and tried, hey, you know this guy? It's like. That's the way to do it, though, you know? Yeah, that's how you got to do it. You got to go to the bars. You got to go to, you know, the little cafes. This is a pro tip here. <clears throat> if you actually go to whitepages.com, you can make up a little, uh, a little like, account there. And for, like, five bucks, you can look up anybody and find their cell phone number. Anybody you want. I, I, really? Yeah, so, like, I, I checked it with, like, my family members, and it, like, pulled my name up, my cell phone number, my grandpa's his cell number. And that's how I found, like, a lot of phone numbers back in the day. Well, there we go. This podcast is going to blow up just for that pro tip right there. There you go. That's good to know for future travels going hunting. Right. All right. So you went to the bar. Did you did you get any numbers from the bar? We we did get one number from the bar. Um, we what, actually. What was her name? 
I don't remember their <laughs> names. I don't remember any names. I have. I, I was like, we're so like the last day. I'm like, we were so dumb not to write down people's names and phone numbers because it's like you have a cell phone in your hand. Well, <laughs> yes, yes and no. It was more like you called them, you asked, and then you were good. And yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna remember that guy's name nope. again. And it's like if we come out here next year, it's like we're gonna have to do this all over again. But uh, yeah. That's what makes it fun, I guess. So we get done at the bar, and we got one guy's name. We called him. It's like 8 o'clock, you know, just a touch late, but it was like, eh, we'll give it a shot. He answers. He's like, yeah, go ahead. And it was like, all right. So at 8 o'clock at night, we actually had our first spot. Um, It was actually a cattle pasture pond, and it was fairly big. He only owned about a third of it. So... We couldn't get permission for the big side, and that's where all the ducks and geese were. Um, the wind was out of the north, and he he did own the north side of that pond. So it was like, well, perfect. The ducks want to sit there. Well, when we got there that morning, we it was super cold. I mean, that north wind picked up, and the temperature just fell out of the bottom. I mean, it was like, I think it was like negative 18 or something, and then you had wind chill on that. I'd go out for a deer and that, not no ducks. No ducks. <laughs> so luckily, uh, so when we went out, I held or I hauled the enclosed, and then my buddy, he's got a Polaris Ranger, uh, a thousand heated cooled cab with tracks. And then he's got homemade quack racks, you know, to hold the decoys and everything. He uh he welded all up on his Polaris and so that helped big time. So we loaded that up so in one go. You throw, we were going to hunt one A-frame, or, yeah, A-frame, yeah. Um, one A-frame, and we threw, I believe, three three dozen duck decoys. Most most of this was all ducks. Um, there was, come to find out, a whole bunch of snow geese on this pond. But um, we had our chairs and had our decoys, a few spinners. I think we had three spinners, and then um, we had uh, some motion because we didn't know what the water was going to be like get out there shine the pond 100 percent ice just the <laughs> whole there's a little cove there's a point and then a great big cove and you could see the cattle was really using that cove but um that's where the ducks were right on that point so it was like well we got to get to that point but it was just like initial shine and with the light it was like well that's frozen so that's it was like we should have got out here a little earlier to break the ice up, but it was like, well, first time, you know, first day, it was like, yeah, it'll be all right. So we get out there, throw everything. Uh, three of us started putting out decoys. We were trying to break the ice up, push it out of the way. Um, we uh, we got the ice broke, and we actually shot our first three ducks that came in. Two of us were still in the decoys trying to put break ice. So they came over, and... Um, they actually went right over the A-frame. Uh, two of them started shooting at them and dropped all three of them. So, Perfect. and that was like 10 minutes after shooting, t- shooting light. So it was like, well, <laughs> broke the ice, you know, no skunk. Literally broke the ice. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Um, we probably sat there for probably another hour and we didn't have another duck come to us. And I was like, well, that was fun, you know, but no, we, uh, 
we actually watched from the north. Evidently, somebody had jumped a pond of snow geese. So we had a bunch of snow geese just to the west of us that was connected to this pond, a little backwater to this pond. And there, we didn't, uh, when we shot those ducks, you would have thought those snow geese would have jumped, but they didn't. They didn't even make a peep. We didn't even know they were there. But when this group of probably, I mean, it was probably pushing, I don't know, two, 3,000 snow geese. I mean, it was, you couldn't even hear yourself talk when they came across, but they were just, you know, they're only like three treetops high, you know. Sky bust them. Sky bust right. Yeah, no shot too high. <laughs> Shoot the moon if you lead far enough. <laughs> So, no, we didn't take a shot at them. We uh, we let them come across, and they actually stopped and turned and must have seen, you know, all the other snow geese that were on that other little pond. And they uh, they put the brakes on and just stopped, and they started working the field that was just to the south of us on that property. Um, the guy owned the other, you know, two-thirds of that pond. And then he owned a field right there. And they actually started working that. And they actually went down and landed, started feeding. And it was like, so we did, we got a show. Um, saw the snow geese. Saw, you know, and it was like, all right. So there is a chance we can get snow geese because we didn't even know if they were in the area. Sure. We, we figured they were still in the Dakota or North Dakota or even Canada. Um, we, uh, we watched that. And we uh, had to keep breaking ice. I mean, it just kept freezing up on us. And that was really killing us. I mean, we did have uh, a few groups. There was a lot of widgeon in the area, a lot of teal still, um, because it had been that warm the weeks before. Sure. And that first cold day, it uh, hadn't pushed the, you know, the little teal out yet. So so with, uh, like, the decoys and stuff, will say you got mallard decoys out will that bring like widgeon and pintail and stuff in too or is that how's that work for the decoys the widgeon love we didn't even bring with us a widgeon decoy or even any gadwall or anything all we had were mallard ducks and we did have two dozen teal um that particular morning we didn't throw any teal because the day before we didn't see any teal it was all widgeon and uh mallards so when we you know teal will come into anything sure so we threw the mallards just because that's what we came to shoot because we can shoot teal at home but yep. the we just don't get the migration of mallards and if they do they come in after season so we uh we got it all broke open and it's probably 10 o'clock and it was like well normally at home we call it at 10 o'clock well in south dakota that's like main flight you know you get that early morning flight and then there's like a midday flight nice. and or like a mid-morning flight and i mean they're just there's so much wa bodies of water and there's so many different species of waterfowl out there like every hour every hour of the day is go time you know That's cool. if you're out there and set up they'll come so it's like 10 o'clock and we only have the three ducks and we're like eh, maybe we should pick up and i think somebody got up and out of the blind because there is another little, you know, because this pond went further back. And it was like, well, I'm going to go for a walk, you know. And it's like, well, every time somebody's out of the blind, they always come in. And we had like a 30-pack of teal come in. And at the moment, we didn't quite know what they were. We were like, well, they could have been. Uh, we did see a lot of uh, oh, snipe 
there was a lot of snipe flying around. And it was like, oh, they're just snipe. And then they got a little closer, and it was like, oh, it's a big pack of teal. Boy, they just did her dirty, you know. It just <laughs> came in, and it was like, well, we didn't really drive all this way to shoot teal, but it's like, it's 10 o'clock. We only got three ducks. All four of us stand up, just boom, 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 you know, just unloaded our guns on them. I don't quite remember how many we got out of there, but it was like, there was only like a couple that flew away, and it was like, that was fun. You guys probably almost limited out on your ducks with this 30-pack of teal. Just teal, you know. Drove all this way just to shoot teal. It's fine. Um, do you have to have a plug-in out there, so three shells in your gun? Yep. yep. Same as Iowa. Yeah, gotcha. that's just a federal yeah. federal law. Yep. Gotcha. Yep, two in the magazine, one in the chamber. Yep. That's you. Your illegals that are floating a fourth. But yeah. Well, you know, that fourth one might get you. It might, might just get them. But... Uh, yeah, so we, uh, my buddy, he's got a dog, but at the time we didn't know that the there was so much, um, you know, provided amenities at the hotel. We didn't know because the hotel said no dogs in the hotel room. Mm. Well, come to find out, they got kennels in the back. Nice. And I was like, we sh- so we should have brought the dog. Oh. No, for next time. We will know for next time. So if you go out there, there's always somewhere to keep your dog. So bring the darn dog. It sounds like you had to do the dog duties. Oh, I think I did the first day. And then <laughs> and then my buddy who actually owns the dog, we made him do it the rest of the time. Because it was like, <laughs> you fool, you should have brought the darn dog. Jax would have loved it out there. <laughs> He'd have been like a fat kid in a candy store. Oh, 100%. So... Luckily, those bodies of water, or at least the ones we hunted, I mean, they're just to your wader line. I mean, just under, you're talking belly button deep. I mean, you could find the deeper spots, but as long as you tried, it wasn't like every body of water was just over your head and you needed a boat. No, like sudden drop off, stuff like that, where you're trying to swim back to shore, wader full of water. No, no, nobody got wet. I couldn't believe it. Um but no, they're just shallow bowls of water. So once you get in there, you know, the first 10 feet, you got to watch for rocks. I mean, it was nuts. The rocks hiding there, just waiting to trip. But once you get past there, it was a nice, you know, you had four inches of silt. Um, but then it was a nice hard bottom in sure. all the bodies of water of that we hunted. So we, uh, you know, get those all picked up, get back to the blind. And we actually had a pair of geese come over um not a couple minutes after that and we dropped one um so we did end up getting a goose that day i believe we only shot we were short like we were short that first day we didn't kill our limit we got one goose um a bunch of teal and three widgeon is what they ended up shooting that day um so we went back to the hotel picked up went back to the hotel cleaned our birds and then it was like We'll grab, grab some lunch, and it's like, all right, now we got to start scouting again. So it's like, fill up the truck and start driving. Yep. You, we, had, uh, we actually had three vehicles. We had a car, an SUV, and a, a truck out there. And it was like, you go south, we'll go north, and Perfect. the car, you get wherever you need to because wherever you can go down, yep. you go. Because, I mean, more vehicles, the better. More eyes going different directions, yep. the better. Um, we actually ended up getting permission on about three different ponds that day, that next, um, that afternoon. So we were like, well, all right, we're, we're getting there. Um, we were told to get probably eight different spots because if you 
went to go to your, you know, if you only lined up for the four five days we were going to be out there, it was like if someone was in your first spot, then you're hunting your second spot that should have been for either that evening or the next morning. Right. Um, so then you're like, okay, then you got to find more spots. Because if you can get them all lined up um, in the first two days, then it's just like clockwork. Just make sure they're still in there, still feeding either in the field or the pond that you get permission for. Um, so then you're not driving all over hell. But, uh, yeah, we got three ponds that afternoon, and I believe we got a field as well that had a bunch of mallards in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, just going and knocking on doors really helps. But uh, it at least we, we call, I remember calling this one lady. She... Uh, we uh she answered and it was like do you own this property and we must have said her last name wrong but we got her first name right and she was like well it's such and such you know of a last name and i was like yeah that's what we meant you know <laughs> and she goes well are, what are you looking to do and i was like you know just you know hunt some waterfowl on your land and she's like well my boy takes care of it so then you know she got us his number and then we texted him and you know, it all worked out, but it was, it was just like, she could have been like, no, no, I'm not there. You know, you said my last name wrong, you know, hell with you, (laughs) get lost. (laughs) So in that aspect, it was like, oh, that was nice of her. But, uh, you know, went to the bar that night and it was like, uh, we actually ended up hunting a field that uh, next morning. And when we got there, um, or no, we were going to hunt a pond actually. So this is where I was talking. We were actually going to hunt a pond and it was along a pavement road. And then we had watched it that, uh, the day before. And it was like, oh yeah, there's plenty of ducks here. So when we got there, there was already two trucks in the parking lot and this was public. Yep. And it was like, okay, you know, it's like, it's not big enough for, you know, another two trucks. Right. So it was like, all right, plan B. So it was this cornfield that uh, had standing corn. It was a low bottom um, standing corn that uh, it was super muddy and the farmer actually left. But there was a pond probably half a mile to the west of this cornfield. And we got in there and uh, the ducks actually were already flying because we were I don't remember how far i think that field was another half hour away so i mean we planned to be an hour before sunrise you know at this pond well comes to find out it was already taken so we go to the private ground and so we're talking 30 minutes you know to get set up and by the time we were set up the ducks were already flying so if you you go out and hunt a field or a pond and you shoot a couple can you go out the next day will they come back in or that that spot's pretty much shot it's it's very hit or miss sure. um just because there's so much ground out there we didn't but like here you know in iowa yeah we'll do that yeah. we'll hunt it one day and then it's so hit or miss that the geese you're either hunting the same geese that you hunted the day before or maybe when you pushed them off you know to set up like if you're hunting a gravel pit back home usually we'll go in well before dark push them off and then hope they filter back mm. Um, and it all depends, like, you know, if you did that on Saturday morning, then you do it on Sunday morning. 
most of the time, not all the geese come back sometimes, but most of the time, not always. So then it's like, okay, are these the same geese we were shooting at yesterday? Or are these the geese that didn't come back from the day before? So you have to, you never know. I mean, it's, it's always take, it's called hunting for a reason. So we never in South Dakota, we never did hunt anything twice. It was always once and done. But we get to this field, get set up, ducks are already flying. We didn't, all we took was three spinners and I believe all our uh, six dozen mallard, um, we had uh, full bodies, mallard full bodies. Got them set up, got the spinners going, and I mean, it was a matter of seconds. We had a hard, hard west. It was actually like a southwest wind. And, I mean, these ducks had to, like, fight to get to us. There was this corn was down at the bottom, and then there was a little hill. And they were coming from the north, bucking that wind, coming at us. And they had to fight to get to us where we were. But once they got down below that little ridge, that little hill, then it was like they could do whatever they wanted. But for them to get over that hill, it would just, it felt like forever for them to get to us. It was like, here they come, here they come, here they come. And I was like, what are they waiting for? But they were just trying to get to us. But yeah, once they did it, once they got over that hill, it was just like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it was just, it was great. They, you, you talk about a hunt, you should have had a camera and videotape that. It was just like, here comes a group, come in, boom, 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 boom. <clears throat> you know next group come in boom 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 that's awesome and it was just like one after another of groups yeah i've only been trying to convince you to carry a camera with since uh what do you think 2017 ty yeah probably it's only only like six or seven seasons since then yeah (laughs) maybe one of these days huh one of these days you know when you get get tired of shooting them you just start shooting them with the camera i wish everyone could see the look i'm giving you right now getting dirty eyed over here yeah yeah you are all right so you shot all these ducks um how like how long did you guys hunt and did you hit your limit on ducks that day yeah so that day we shot a five-man limit i think we were there an hour and 15 minutes wow just a lot a lot of them were almost all of them were widgeon i think we only shot like four mallards they're all widgeon i'd never shot a widgeon before that day that just sounds like a wet pigeon to me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> essentially, yeah. I don't know how big they are. They sound like a smaller duck. Yeah, they're a little smaller duck. They're they're in between like a teal and a mallard. Okay, I definitely. And know they that don't size. have the color, you know, like mallards, big green head. These these have like a brownish head to them, you know. But they they have they have speckling, um, kind of like a wood duck, not the color of a wood duck, but just just that similar d- pattern, darker gray. Yeah. 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 But. I'd never shot a widgeon. Then we end up with like 30 of them, you know, it was just like, hot dang. That's awesome. But, um, no, they're a great eating duck. Just, just like anything else, but they did her dirty, (laughs) but yeah, we, uh, picked up, you know, got a picture, picked up, got out of there. And I know we could have went back and hunted that just because an hour and 15, I mean, a whole bunch of shells went off in that hour and 15 minutes, but I was just going to ask how many, how many boxes of shells do you take out per guy? So we were told to take a case of like fours or twos, three inch fours or twos, you know, for ducks. And then to take 
three and a half, you know, twos or BBs, uh, something of that nature, a case of that. So we're, I took, I actually took three cases, but, um, actually ended up shooting a lot of three and a half inch twos just because of the wind. The sure. wind was howling every single day we were out there. Yep. And that first shot, it was a little, you know, excessive shooting a duck yep. at 15 feet, you know, with the three and a half inch shell, little excessive, but that second and third shot, I just felt like that first day when we we're shooting those teal, I felt like my second and third shot, it was just like, oh, we barely got them. You know, yeah. you're just hitting a wing or it just, they weren't hard hitting, you know, and it was like, well, I'm just going to shoot three and a half. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like. <clears throat> coming back to trap shooting the background you and I have the pattern was spreading out too far because the wind was pushing it too much right right and you know people got the money you can shoot tungsten but we're just shooting steel and that yep. steel is just not made like lead or tungsten is yep. it's just that density is not there the you know people can talk talk about a lot of you know steel we'll get it done but just when uh when you shoot, you know, on private ground, you shoot a squirrel with lead, it's just yeah. like they're just dead. Yep. And then I've tried shooting squirrels with steel, and it was like they just keep running. It was like, eh, you almost got me. Yeah. That steel, my goodness, it is. I wish that tungsten wasn't so expensive, but. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, $5 a shell, you know. Well, some of the tungsten turkey loads, five shells is like 60 bucks. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of those, um, so the, you know, like Apex or, oh, like Heavy Shot or something, you know, it's four to 600 bucks for, and that's only a case, but in the tungsten, that's only 100 rounds. Jeez. That's, that's stupid, insane. I can imagine you went through 100 rounds almost a day between everyone out there. It, so the third day, we joined up with another five guys. Nice. So, you know, then our, our limit just doubled, and it's like, yeah. So That's cool. That's pretty cool. You can drive that far and meet other hunters and hook up with them and go hunting with them. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. They actually had permission for the same field, and we met up with them that morning. And it was like they could have been like, hey, get lost, because they were actually there first. Sure. And, you know, rule of thumb, hey, we both have permission. Let's not cause a fight, you know. No. You got here first. It's your hunt now. Yeah, yeah either, either switch up, you know, we'll hunt in the morning, you guys hunt the afternoon, or just like like you guys did, hunt together. makes right. more sense that way. Yeah, and they're like, let's do it. So, yeah, we actually joined up with them, and, yeah, that day well over 100 shells went off. <laughs> it was those, – those boys were a little rusty, not to talk shit about them, but they were a little rusty. <laughs> I felt like we kind of spread out just so we got to know them. It was sure. like one of our guys and then one of theirs, you know, sure. we alternated – just so we could get to know it, everyone in that group. And it turned out, you know, they were a great group of guys, and we got along with them great. And we actually ended up the next two days we hunted with them as well. Cool. So that worked out well. Yeah. Um, and then they had been scouting that too. So I think we hunted. Um, so on the fourth day, we hunted our ground that we had. It was a pond. And the next day, we hunted a field that they got permission for, which was right next to the pond that we had permission for. Perfect. Um, but there was a great big body of water further to the east of this pond that we had permission for, but they were using that field. All the ducks and all the geese would get up 
off of those two bodies of water and go feed in this field that they had permission for. And it was like, well, the ducks would go back and forth between the big water and this pond. So it was like, well, that next morning we're going to hunt this pond um, and just see, see how it goes. Well, it turned out great because <laughs> shot a 10-man limited ducks. Um, I believe, I don't think we had a single goose. It, they were all ducks, 10-man limited ducks. Um, how many ducks is that? That would be five times, so 50. To 50. Jeez. Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. The ranger, The ranger is full. I mean, in the picture, it's just. That's awesome. It's full. Now, was that mostly greenheads, or were you shooting more of the widgeon, or what was it? No, a lot of widgeon. A lot of widgeon, teal. Mm-hmm. I think we only shot, like, two pintails. Um, Might have got five or six mallards, but, uh, yeah, a lot of widgeon. I mean, to go from never shooting a widgeon and then to shoot like a pile of them, yeah, like fifty in two days, it was like, oh, these are kind of cool deck. I'm glad they're dumb, <laughs> a little dumber. Yeah, it's it, well, that's nice too when you go somewhere else to get a different experience. Like you have some of those other ducks around here. Of course, you don't have the same numbers, but to shoot a different species is kind of cool too. Right. Yeah, and they're they're a beautiful bird. Um, they don't have the color, you know, as other birds like your mallards and wood ducks, but they're still a beautiful bird. Um, they like, they they all make a splash, you yeah. know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, I I you've obviously you guys went there for ducks mainly, or did you? What what was the main focus? The main focus was just to shoot unique species that we yeah. hadn't shot before. Okay. I mean, we we're kind of because we don't get into specs. I mean, never shot a spec. Um, I know some guys on a local body of water back home. They've, you know, shot some specs, but never shot a spec. Um, you know, never shot a gadwall, you know, we get them. I've had opportunities, but I've never, you know, capitalized on getting one. So, you know, I was going out there to shoot. Well, I didn't even think of a gadwall or uh, a widgeon. It was like, I don't even know what that duck is, you know? So, you know, ended up shooting, you know, widgeon, gadwall. We're looking to shoot, you know, species like widgeon and gadwall, um, pintails, uh, specs, a little bit of everything, just, just those more unique that don't come through our flyway, you know, in Iowa. It's like the same reason we go shed hunt in different States. We want to have the different experience than what we get at home. hundred percent. So how many, so you're like, that was day four. I assume day five, you guys absolutely killed it again. Actually, we were a little short, but we got to shoot our unique species on, on that day. Cause we hunted that field in the fence line. We set up um got a great hide um a lot of ducks were still that next morning set up in the fence line to hunt that field um we were in a-frames um just felt like that amount of people we were gonna hide better we got a super good hide i mean we got there two hours early um we got the hedge trimmers out and we just cut grass and um a lot of that they're like iron weeds out there and we just, we made sure we had a good hide because we knew we were going to have a, a whole bunch of birds come work us. Because when we watched it that night, all those birds were still in there. So it was like, oh, tomorrow morning's going to be great. So we get up there and uh, get set up. And I believe the mallards came first, a few of them, not a lot. They got up off that pond, came over, and... We didn't shoot very many, maybe four or five we dropped. 
and so you know broke the ice got some mallards um actually i think they're all green heads couldn't believe you know because there was probably 30 40 mallards and everybody's you know they're not looking to oh there's a green head yep. you know we're not picking them out but actually i think we didn't shoot a single susie so nice. that was good um and then we actually had a group i believe a six pack of specs that came from our back um so from the west and they were looking into the sun and it was like we could hear them but you couldn't quite see them and they were up there a ways and we just we had two guys um we just don't get into them so it's not like i'm gonna have a call on my lanyard but we had two guys who actually had spec calls and they're actually pretty darn good with it because they do a little more snow goose hunting than i do and i guess they throw specs call spec calls at them and the snow geese just a little something different that the snow geese because snow geese and specs will sit together but okay. uh canadians and specs and like snow geese they don't like each other because i guess they beat up on the canadians i guess mm. i don't know yeah they're a little they're a little bit bigger than canadian goose aren't they or about the same size yeah they're they're all about the same size right. i would say almost some canadians are bigger than sure. any snow goose or any spec but Maybe I've only shot little snow goose and little specks, but, um, but yeah, we had a five pack of specks come and they were looking into the sun, luckily. And, you know, they started calling and they actually started dropping because evidently they were sitting on a body of water, got jumped and, you know, came over and they're actually looking to feed. They do the, oh, you know, tornado down and little maple leafing, but they, they actually came down and they were going to do it and they came so the wind's out of the south so they come from our north to because they want to land into the wind and they come like right down the fence line and it was like oh they're gonna look right down the a-frame and see us but luckily i don't know they they didn't see us they came in i think we only dropped two i don't know what everybody was shooting at because they did it wonderful <laughs> but i know i smoked one of them he just came over and just let's do it and it was just you know just a whole bunch of shots right? i mean there's there's freaking like five of them and 60 shots you know it was that's, that's just you got unrageous amount of shells you have off. 10 guys with three shots apiece three, oh. at five specs at five it was like and you guys got two we out only of got 30 two. shots if everyone unloaded right uh, that's a great great uh ratio right there oh yeah that percentage yeah that was that was not great but i know i shot one that's all that matters um but ended up with two so then you know we're looking at them because it was like yeah this is the first one i've held you know never shot them before um looked them over you know super cool bird you know they got the bars on their bodies and their wings and stuff and it was like ah we should probably mount this thing but ended up never never did mount it but probably should have because if anybody knows me, I am a whore for taxidermy. Right. So like, you I, always have a bill owed to the taxidermy. It doesn't matter. There, there's a turkey there now. It's like fourteen hundred. I owe him. It doesn't matter. But like for me, <laughs> I shut up. And I I plan on eventually shooting a goose with my bow, and I 100 percent I'm gonna get that thing mounted. Like I I hate waterfowl with a passion because it takes my friends away from me when I want to hang out. And I really think that if I get one on the wall, maybe you'll respect me a little more. Heck yeah. There I think, what do you think, right under the M&M sign, we could put like a flying one right there? Yeah, there you go. It's going to take up some room, but heck it. <laughs> It'll look good. Yeah. 
All right, so after them specs, I assume you guys saw some more more ducks after that. Yeah, then the ducks, you know, really started getting up and, you know, stretching their wings and coming over, and that's when it got pretty good. Um, I'm, I think we ended uh, the uh, that last day. We ended up with uh, 18 geese, so two of them were specs, and I believe we shot four um what they call uh brants they're a really small they're almost like a large mallard but it's a goose huh. i'm pretty sure they're called brants never even heard of them brants but i can look this up real yeah, quick you keep, keep look, talking i'll look it but up but they're a real they're just like a miniature compact uh canadian goose huh. and i don't know all the you know technical what's wrong with if they're just genetically getting smaller or whatever you know little modified goose flying around but uh they're super cute little little things me and wes are looking at this now on the computer that looks like a pigeon to me right (laughs) that does look like a pigeon that's a that is an odd looking goose though like it's got the black all the way down almost till its shoulders is what it looks like here is this what you guys were shooting yeah they're you gotta talk to your mic no one can hear you is that right? Is that is that what the bird is? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, they're just a little, a little goose. It's like, it's like a mix between a pigeon, a goose, and like almost like a loon. Yeah, like the the feathers, the fl- the way they fly. That looks like a, Can- a Canada goose right yep. there. So like you got the top part yeah, of a hybrid. pigeon, a Canada or a, a yeah okay pigeon, a Canada goose, and the ass of a loon. Does that sound about right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're just little buggers. They're cute little things. Huh. I, I also would have mounted one of those, but continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we never did. Nothing got mounted that trip. But I was just going to ask, you know, since it was a South Dakota trip, if you're going going to, but I guess not. No, no, we never did. I mean, everything was in full color, no. but they're all beautiful birds. So you spent like 16 grand on these silhouette decoys to not even mount <laughs> one bird. No. Make it make bird. sense to me. I don't know. This is what I don't get about you goose hunters. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah, so we get those little buggers, you know, stuffed away and we uh you know, had a few more mallards come in, got them done and um then the snow geese, you know, they're more of like a midday feeder. Or mid morning, I should say, and they uh, they actually started, you know, getting up and working over and um, coming across, and they they weren't looking to land like right where we were. They wanted more out in the middle of the field. Evidently, they weren't, you know, they're pretty cautious about that fence line, which I would have been too if I knew what was hiding there. So they'd probably been shot at a time or two. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, coming through Canada and North Dakota, they had that group that was working us that had been hunted before. Um, so they, I mean, they would come over, but our shots, you know, were 40, 50 yards. I mean, they were just not coming feet down. They just were not in our face. So, but when you got, you know, 10 guns going off, it's, it, it kind of helps, you know. Um. But, uh, yeah, we ended up shooting, you know, a dozen, a dozen or so snow geese. Um, so we ended, I believe we had 20 geese or 20 ducks, mallards. Um, and then we had 18 geese is what we ended with, um, that last day. Um, 
I mean, just the amount of waterfowl in South Dakota is crazy. And I'm sure Kansas is the same way. We just never, I mean, this was our first, you know, trip. I heard uh, Arkansas, too, that flyway down there is absolutely insane. I've seen videos and stuff and pictures. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Thousands upon thousands. I got a buddy, his dad owns, or I think there's like six of them that own a duck hunting club down there in Arkansas. I'm not quite sure where it's been. I've never been there, but, um, yeah, they butt up against a whole bunch of public, um, and they they get a lot of birds. Well, those guys down there, too, they're they're blinds. They got, like, kitchens, bathrooms, everything, TVs, heaters, everything in them. It's insane the amount of money those guys spend just, just for some ducks. Just for ducks, right. Let me tell you how I feel about ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the idea. It, it all sounds great. I'd love to be able to cook bacon while I'm trying to hunt a deer. But, like, it's, I don't know. I feel like it takes away something for me. I know you guys, you're hunting out of your A-frames and whatever. I don't even know what that is. But, I don't know. If, if you're, like... If you have one of those houses, sure, it's great. It's that pampered hunting. It's almost like a heated blind for deer hunting, but I think it just takes it to like that next level. Like I could literally live there for six weeks and be just fine. Right. Okay, so now we got this South Dakota trip out of the way. Did you guys end up going back with that second week or no? No, we never did. No. Was that just time constraint thing or why? Uh, Probably just because we did take off, you know, those, you know, some of us had to take off PTO and... Yeah. And, you know, yeah, work gets in the way. Yeah. And work just gets in the way. So we never did. We never did make it out there for that second, second time frame that we had. I was going to ask you this for like the, the draw. Do you, do you have to prove that you can identify different species of ducks before you go out? Or do you just, yeah, you got the draw. Here you go. Come hunt. Um, they do have a, oh, the same thing Iowa does. You have to do the, not the hush, but the, yeah. Oh, that little uh, survey you got to go through and do. We don't duck hunt. We don't uh, know what your survey true. is. I don't. <laughs> hip? I think it's the hip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's the hip deal. So you got to make sure that's done because, right. like, last year, I think this is the second year they've done this. Um, last year, you had to physically go back into the app and – and do it and a lot of guys were forgetting and then the state i was was sending you deals and it was like you need to fill out your hip and mm. it was all a big big mess but then this year it was like you have to to even hit the you know to purchase or whatever your water waterfall um stamp and everything you had to fill that out okay um that was just like they put it in there because they knew a bunch of guys were not filling it out. Sure, sure. But it was just, you know, previous questions from the years before, you know, how many ducks did you take or mm. um, did you hunt this, did you hunt that, you know, kind of like the same thing with dove. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, this year I had to do that for dove hunting yeah. when I did it. So yep. same concept. Yeah. Okay, so now that you're done with these stupid birds, um, let's talk about the second subject of why you're here today. So. For everybody that can't see, Wesley and I have this beautiful view of this AR with this giant scope on it, which is a thermal scope as we know. So let's just start out from the top. Let Tell us what the hell you're holding in your hands from top to bottom. From top to bottom, huh? All right. So sitting on top is a uh, Pulsar XP50. Uh, let's see what. It's the... Uh, it's the trail model. So they make like a Thermion. 
and I don't know. They make a whole bunch of, but this is the XP fifty tra- uh, trail. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if I said this or not, but so, this is this is his coyote gun. This is the thermal coyote gun. Yeah, this is what I hunt coyotes with. Um, depending, sometimes I'll take it off, put it on my twenty two, and shoot raccoons. Now that uh, they have opened up the season in Iowa, yep. because they're everywhere mm-hmm. eating all the turkeys. You're welcome, Clinton. I still hate turkeys. We have talked about this. <laughs> I'll, quit. I'll just let the raccoons live then. No, no, no. Let, let the turkeys live because the more there are, the stupider they'll get, the more I'll kill. There you go. There you go. But uh, the uh, the reason I went with this, I have a buddy um, who actually bought um, a thermal before me, and he went with a Pulsar, but it was, you know, the eight, $1,800 unit. I believe it's only like a three eighty two core if i'm making sense there what, um, what does that mean <laughs> i believe it's how many pixels mm. i think it's all about pixels because like this is a 640 by 480 core and i think it's just the quality of camera you know you have like what you know 4k yeah TVs. like 4k AK, just the yeah yeah i i could be totally wrong but i'm pretty sure that's what sounds the, right yeah (laughs) we'll say right yeah um but yeah this is the 640 core so they actually came out with a uh a better core now but you know three four years ago when i bought this this was the damn near the best thing on the market um you know like ira like different companies you got like atn or atn they're trash um (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're something else. Um, yeah, they're trash. Um, and then you got Pulsar. You got iRay. iRay is a new brand that's coming out. Um, they're pretty much just like Pulsar. Um, and then there used to be another company, but they went out of business. And then AGM took over their spot. And they're coming out with, like, a lot of good – um, like mid-range, um, you know, it all depends on your shooting, but like a 200-yard scope and close, you know, right. and closer. Just a real like lower-end scope, but still great quality. It's not going to break your bank. And it's not, it's going to be, you know, three grand cheaper than this one. So uh, what's a scope like that run? Um, If you don't mind. Yeah, I'm sure they've, came down a little bit because i actually i think last year was their last year of making these they're switching to a different um i don't a different style i haven't read up on it but i think last year was their last year of making these trails for pulsar um i don't know if they're getting better reviews on their thermions but their thermions are freaking i mean they're they look just like a rifle scope so like the biggest complaint with thermals was this doesn't you know this isn't er ergonomic uh it's doesn't look like a traditional rifle scope so pulsar was like fine we'll give you a rifle scope so if anybody's ever seen a thermion pulsar um scope i mean the suckers are darn near two and a half foot long i mean they are just huge um they don't weigh all that much but then their batteries i've heard aren't you know real great um they use like where your uh up and down terminals are they the one or if two of them open up and that's where you stick your batteries in but uh 
I don't know. I didn't like that style. Yeah. When I bought this one, it was like the first year Thermion came out just right after I bought this one. And I was like, eh, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I didn't think they looked all that great. And I'm not saying this looks great, but gets the job done. No. Um, but yeah, I think, I think out the door it was 6,500 just for the scope. Wow. I, uh, I paid 6,500 for my truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was a chunk of change at the, at the time. What's, uh, what's it like shooting at, I've never shot through a thermo. So what's it, is it just as easy or is it harder like shooting at night versus during the day? So that's why I went with the 640 core because your resolution is just, I mean, when you're looking through the scope, I mean, uh, it's supposed to be picking up on heat, mm -hmm. but you can see the texture. You can see if it's a cornfield or a bean field oh, or cool. trees or, you know, on certain nights I can see if it's a buck or doe, you know, a sure. hundred yards out there. Um, you can see, you know, tracks through the snow, you know, can't quite tell what they are, but you can just see um, just a little bit of everything that contrast and um, quality is just there in That's the cool. scope. So, Wesley, we talked about Jill actually being sick. I don't know what you're doing tonight, but if you're bored and you want to come with us, you could 100% come with us. I'll definitely check in with the wife. <laughs> All right, so we got the scope pretty much covered. What do you have for, for a gun on that thing? So went a little cheaper with the gun. I mean, they say you should buy... When you buy a gun, you should buy a scope that's twice as more, you know, than the gun. Yeah. I thought three times was the uh, was the, well, the maybe maybe, maybe nowadays <laughs> it is, yeah. But uh, no, I just got a little eight hundred dollar Sig, um, two two three, that uh, it does well. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get a two forty three or I'll go with the three hundred blackout. It'll be all right. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. But uh, with with sighting that in, can you? Do you have to sight it in at night, or is there a setting on there where you can actually see through it during the day to sight it in or use it during the day? So, um, yeah, you just – you can do it either or. Um, hot water in a bottle works great. Um, hand warmers, they're kind of expensive, you know, nice. just to do one up and then cheat right. the heck out of it. Um, a good one that I came across was tinfoil. Tinfoil is uh, – it'll become – you know, colder than the surrounding, whatever you have it against wood or whatever your target, your backstop is. Um, Tinfoil works really really well. Hmm. Um, I'm sure, I think there was another one I used to know, but I I only use tinfoil now. It's super cheap. You just, you know, bend it how you want, and sure. I just take a stapler and right huh. onto a board, and you're good to go. Um, but, yeah, you just open it up, turn it on, and it doesn't matter if it's, middle of the day or middle of the night sure it doesn't matter um i used to have an atn night vision scope and when i would it was a daytime and nighttime uh unit when i would change it and shoot during the day i would get different uh you know my impact would change from day to night and i think that was just because atn is trash but <laughs> fair enough I still have it. I still shot, you know, plenty of coyotes with it, but thermal's where it's at. So let's talk about some of the capabilities and features that the scope has. Because like I said in, on the intro an hour ago, I'm like a little iPad kid when we hunt. So let, let, let's run about that. Uh, so, yes, this has like 
Wi-Fi um, or Bluetooth, I should say, capability where um, you uh, – let's see. I don't remember the app, but Pulsar has an app. Um, yeah, I'm not thinking of the name of it right now, but you uh, go into your app, connect to the d device, and then you have like an online version. So whatever image that the scope scene will – you know, That's transfer cool. over to your phone. So you can actually go in there and change your reticle, the color. Um, so this has, I believe, a six or seven different color palette. So you can do like black hot, white hot. So in black hot, um, your background is going to be like a white and anything that has um, heat registration or the, what the camera picks up for heat will be black on your screen hmm. and then white hot anything hot is going to be white um and then it's got like a purple anything hot's going to be purple and then a red and that's cool it, um those 3d cameras that like people will come around and check your house for you know your windows and stuff yeah. you can see where you're losing heat that has a mode on there for kind of that concept you can see what's colder hotter you know the hottest hmm. um so it's got that color palette it's got like 10 different reticles you can change them all different if you uh just want a dot if you want your crosshairs if you want a dot with a circle around it i mean there's 10 of those different reticles in there um this one that i don't know if it was necessary but so at during the day you can physically see what you're shooting at so you can judge distance. Most people can. Um, at night, in a thermal, you could say, oh, that's 100 yards. Turns out to be four or 500 yards. You know, wow. first time I ever took my buddy's thermal, he was gone one weekend. And I was like, dude, can I borrow that? And he's like, yeah. So I had my night vision. He had, um, and then my dad actually took the thermal. And we went out, and in the night vision, I dad you know we got a coyote to come in young young pup but you know still a still a target but came just running in just full throttle ran past the collar and i usually put the collar out at 50 yards and ran past the collar and i don't know if he could just see the outline of us and that's what he was coming to and i was like okay we need to stop this dog and shoot it because in my in the daytime i was like this dog's at like 30 feet you know it's darn near we're ready to pet it and dad's like no it's too far no too it's you know too far and i was like no just shoot it and it holds up or stops and i was like take it shoots it you know gets on the ground you know i pulled the flashlight out and we're walking out to it i'm not we're, it was like 15 feet and dad was like <laughs> i really thought it was out there like 50 60 yards you know you just cannot tell distance in this thermal huh uh, or any thermal it's just something about the thermal it's the way the camera projects it to you you know it sounds the like they need to modify it to have a built-in rangefinder or something hey so that's what we're getting to oh. so this this model actually has a rangefinder on it um it's built in you push the front so it's got four buttons here on the top um they all are multi-purpose if you do a short press or a long press they all do different things um but uh, I know the first button, long press, it will send it out, you know, just like a hand range mm -hmm. finder. And then it pops up in your screen on the top right-hand cool. corner. 
and it actually gives you a degree of angle um, nice. if you're shooting on a hill. Um, I don't think that really matters when you're shooting a rifle. I mean, I feel like it's more for bow hunting, but uh, the longer distance it longer is, distance, but could, anything in you know 500 yards, I think could be all right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just an added feature that I really I didn't think it was necessary, but it was already on there, and it's just how it comes. But I was like, yeah. Now that I've got one, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't buy one without one. Sure. But not all of them. Um, like your mid-range price, not all of them have them. Yep. Some of them have like a technology where it puts a line on your screen and you put it at the top of your animal and then you uh, click OK and then you drop it to the the belly of the animal and somehow it calculates um, hmm. like distance that way. Huh. I know that's how my night vision ATN was. Um, some mathematical the engineers have engineered um but uh yeah this just makes it so simple press the button and you have your range you know how far that animal is out there and you get her done sure um there's two focal points on it you you know like most rifle scopes you got your um one that's on your uh, outputting or on your uh what further uh lens and then you have your eye adjustment back here where you stick your eye um it does have a rubber boot just to uh that you know cups your eye just to uh if you have a full moon or just to get that light um outside light to not blind you or so you just get your quality of pictures just that much better that's cool yeah one thing i can recall from hunting in this in previous years is when you get in to that scope at least the settings you had it on it was like brighter than my future and like then when I came out of that scope, like my eyes were so screwed up with the one seeing dark and the one that just came from super light trying to like refocus. Right. Well, you try that with night vision. It does the same thing. Actually, thermals, you know, come to find out thermal is a little easier on your eyes hmm. than than night vision. But I have the settings, you know, pretty high because I think they're on 10 and I could change them all the way down to one. So what I got from that is I'm a little bitch. You said yes. it, not me. <laughs> okay, okay. Continue from the, the rubber part there. Um, yeah, so you have your your eye. Um, it just cups your eye and helps, uh, you know, just keep the sunlight or, you know, if you're shooting during the day or at night, the full moon, um, just uh, so you can see the picture a little better. Um, this, another reason why I bought the scope is because of the external battery. It just, a lot of people... I mean, this is your battery right here. It just literally one little clip here you pick up on, slides right off. Um, a lot of your other thermals, you have to run like an external battery pack, or a lot of them run on C, CR123 or something like that. And them suckers are like $6 for yeah, like two of them or something, you know. Yeah, this this for for all the people out there listening, this is like half the size of a Milwaukee brat battery. He just yeeted right off of this scope. Like yep. I don't know how long of a charge you normally get out of that. So, I believe this is, yeah, this is the IPS fourteen. The one they send. This is, oh, a secondary one that I have bought and purchased. Um, I believe is like a five or a seven is what they send you. So, it it says it's a twelve thousand eight hundred milliamp hour uh, battery, and I'm not sure what the original one that came with it but the other one i believe you know you'll get 
seven hours out of it and then this one's you know double that wow so you have to think like a cr123 you might get you know especially when it'll be fine when you're hunting like now when it's 40 degrees out but when you get in those negative temperatures those batteries just fall on their face and they just die within hours hours i mean you're talking hours and it's like if you want to do not an all day or all night hunt but you want to go out there for four or five hours it's like every time you take it out of the case and go stand out there for 30 40 minutes you have a potential chance of those batteries freezing up and then they're dead um with this you could stick it in the back of the truck and the cold just doesn't um, doesn't bother it um i've never had it go dead in a whole night of hunting even with the original one that is the smaller one um this is just the one i that i brought um so that is super helpful i don't have to have cords like if you want to hand this off to somebody that was the one thing i did not like about my uh my night vision scope i had to have an external battery pack and normally i kept it in my coat and then ran a phone charger up and plugged it in a lot of guys will mount them to your forearm um you know on the barrel of your gun either on the bottom or off to the side or some people would uh duct tape them to the stock you know of the gun and there's just you always were watching for cords and you rip it out it's like yep. it's just like your phone you rip it out too many times then it will quit work and then you got to send it in yep. and it's like i don't want to do that so that's why i was like i'm getting one with an external battery just pull it out throw it on the charger when you want to go throw it on and go um so then if somebody else wants to uh use it it's like i mean it's literally one unit you know don't have to worry about it but uh let's see you know you got your dust cover that uh i don't remember what the glass but i guess that's why they're so expensive um just the you know the core itself but it's the glass i don't remember i'll probably get this i think it's like uranium or geranium i don't know it's some sort of glass that they say is very uh rare and for some reason mercury is coming to head but that's mercury i don't know i have no idea yeah i don't know what the glass is made of i probably knew at one time but the i'm fairly certain that glass is why another reason like half the price is just because of the glass and the other part is because of the the camera itself the core um so that the you can see the the heat register um and then any other features you know the price will go up so one thing i recall in this as well as it does have a recording feature so does that record to like an internal memory card or is it like an sd card you have to put in like what how does that work so this it's an internal um you cannot physically add a sd card to this unit um my atn it was an sd card so it had so many gigabytes on the scope itself but then you had to add an sd card if you wanted to really like record with it this one to my knowledge i don't remember what how much storage it has just on but all you have to do is hook your phone up to the app and it literally like you know like drops it into the cloud or whatever and it's there you know and then it uh wipes it you know from the scope um and then it's just in the cloud you know just sitting there so then you're ready to go for the next night um, or the next hunt, you know, the next spot that you're going to call. You can just pull it off real quick, and then it's you got all your storage back, and you're ready to go. That's cool. 
but I've recorded for six hours straight and never maxed. It's never said, "Hey, you're full." So well, that that sounds like probably over a 256 gigabyte card because I guess my 4K camera will record just about six hours with the if it's on a 256. Sure, but. Is there anything else about that gun that, that we should know about that I, maybe I don't even know about because I am a little stupid? Mm. No, I've put a different charging handle just because the way the scope and the uh, rangefinder on the side of it to get up um, underneath there by the scope, it can be difficult, yeah. you know, not difficult, but just it, that oversized handle on the on the um, your charging handle. Well, that's the charging handle. Um yeah, a charging handle of the AR. Um, just easier to grab. Just a little oversized, and you can grab onto it and charge the gun, and you're good to go. Um, I've also added a, a different trigger. Um, it's I don't remember the brand of it, but you know you don't have any slop in it. I mean, you literally put the put your finger on it, and it goes boom. I mean, nice. I think it's a the factory is like a four and a half or five and a half pound trigger and this is like two and a half nice um they had one there that was only like one and a half but you can something like that you breathe on it wrong it's going off it's like you take the safety off and breathe on it. it's gonna go boom yep but yeah the take up you got like two and a half pounds uh three pounds goes boom and then your take up to you know re-engage um it's just that travels nothing and i just felt like the factory trigger was it was all right but no you're breathing your 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 glass your breathing and your trigger can really um make or break you know a shot yep so almost the best you know scope on the market you know definitely above quite a few other scopes you get a good trigger and uh you match it with a fairly decent gun you know it's not nothing to brag about but it gets the job done it's all that matters yep at the end of the day or night well i i think we covered most everything unless do you want to talk about your fox pro right quick is that what that's called is yeah, that right? It is a fox pro. <laughs> Look at me go. I'm pretty much a friggin' predator hunter. Getting after it. <laughs> yeah, talk about that a little bit. Um, when I started, uh, when I first got my night vision um, scope, I uh, actually only called with a hand call. That's all I used. I didn't have a fancy-dancy electric collar, um, and I got it done. I mean, sometimes just that unique um, noise you know, the, just the random noise that you can make with a hand call. Sometimes those dogs just eat it up, you know, they just come running. So I probably did that for two years. And I mean, 30, 40 dogs a year, I mean, was not uncommon. I mean, normally it was a few more. I mean, got her done. Um, that was no daytime calling. That was night calling at only. And you have to think that was only uh, a squeaker. On one side, you blow it one way, you got a squeaker, you blow it the other way, rabbit distress. Two sounds. That's it. 30, 40 dogs a year. You know, probably did that for two years. And I was like, mm, probably get into this a little more. It was like, it was like some Black Friday deal. I was like, you know, it's like a of course, $500 call and probably got it for 300 so dollars. Um, I think it was like a year old or something like that. Um they came out the year before this is a fox pro shockwave um they have like a 
I think a Prairie Storm, and that one's got two cone speakers. Not a real expert, but this one has cone speakers and um, whatever the other. Those look like tweeters yeah, to me. Yeah, tweeter. they could be tweeters. That, yeah. that, like in a vehicle, if I saw those in a vehicle, those would, would be what I call tweeters. All right. Whatever those do. It's got like two um, separate, and then the Fox Pro, or the uh, Prairie Storm, or the Prairie prairie master oh, it's prairie something the bigger one of the shockwave that one only has cone speakers so it's for louder bigger areas of calling right in you know all the farmland and stuff back home it was like i some days i kick myself just because if the wind's blowing over 10 mile an hour it's like i really wish i had more volume yep. but that can also hurt you with more volume you might be calling to dogs further away and then by the time you're like you know 10 minutes went by you haven't seen nothing it's like okay it's time for the next spot those dogs could be coming and you just don't know it so that could hurt you so i think the shockwave is a, a real good call for what we do or what i do um go out there's you know it's got like i don't know 100 preset sounds and then you can go on to fox pro site and buy all kinds of sounds. Um, uh, you know, it comes with uh, like crow calls, coyote, you know, rabbit distress. I, I think he even has like domestic animals like pig, cow, chicken, huh. you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and then you have your raccoon um, distress or fighting. And we actually got into that a little bit this year. You set it by a big den tree and then start calling at them and then they start coming out. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, you normally set it out there 50 yards. Um, try to go upwind because a lot of your coyotes will always come downwind. So if you put it, um, you know, upwind from you for, usually I do 50 by 50. I'll do 50 yards out, 50 var- yards further upwind than what we're standing. It's been working Fairly decent. I have had coyotes, evidently, that have got called at more than others that have circled 150 yards downwind. It was like, come on, you smart little bugger. Mm-hmm. So then it's like you kind of kick yourself, should have went further. But most of the time, I mean, you, you win some, you lose some. So I don't know. I always, at night, I always do about 15, 50 yards out, 50 yards upwind. So it's been working. Um, some people put it out there further, but f- further you put it out there, the further you got to go walk and pick it up. So probably the further you got to shoot too. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. F- further they get, or the sooner they get to the call, and then normally you know you have scent all over the call, and if yep. they get downwind of that call, then you, normally it's over. Yep. So just real quick, we'll, we'll wrap it up here in a minute. But what is your go-to call? Like what? What is your go-to? Like this is the sequence I do. When I'm trying, when I just go sit somewhere I've never sat, or you know, when you started out, I've I've listened, you know, to a, a lot of guys. A lot of guys say you should do like locator call, and actually see if you can get the dogs to howl back. So then you can physically um, get a location of where a coyote is or a pack of coyotes, so that you can make adjustments. I I guess I haven't finalized on that. I haven't had the greatest luck with 
with that. So normally I won't do a locator unless it's like in February where January, February, when the dogs are really, you know, trying to breed, then they are very vocal. But just any time before that, normally I don't even mess with the locator. All I do is go in there and I try to get normally as close as I can to the cover that I feel like the dogs are in, um, either timber or CRP is normally what I try to call. Um, and I'll just start with a squeak, just, a. I think it's, they call it like the squeak. I don't know. It's like the squeak tweet or something like that. I mean, it's just, uh, almost like a lip, you know, but it's just, you know, in a bigger picture, but, um, we'll play that for, I don't know, two, three minutes just because if that dog is a little closer, I just don't want to blow his ears when I throw a rabbit distress at him. So if they're a little closer, they might get curious and come right in right away. Um, if I was, you know, quiet getting out there, um, sometimes you can sneak right on them and that squeak just pulls them right in. And then, you, um, but once I do that for two minutes and nothing, you know, comes in, then I'll go into a rabbit distress and I'll let that play for probably, I'll probably do like a minute and a half, two minutes on, and then I'll turn it off and I'll turn it back on and I'll probably do that for seven minutes. So run for two off 30 seconds, turn it back on just to give it that break, uh, that pause. Cause normally like if you get a dog that comes to the edge of the timber and then you, he pauses and just will watch and watch and watch that, that pause just, I think it drives them nuts. They just, they just want to know what is making that sound and they just want to come investigate where the pause will just, it'll win every time. Um, maybe a little squeak, you know, just to keep them inter interested, but that pause will always get them. Um, if, if that does, if no dog, you know, shows up or, you know, don't see anything, normally I'll switch to a, you know, a little different pitch of a rabbit noise. There's like a, a cottontail and then there's almost like a jackrabbit and your normal cottontail, you know, you, you know what that is, yep. but then your jackrabbit's a little more high pitch, but then it's just a different, it's a different tone, you know, maybe the rabbits sound different in this area, you know, so you just throw a little different tone at them. And usually I only run that for like two, three minutes and I won't turn that one off. I'll just let it run. Cause maybe they're coming in, but they're from a distance that you just don't know. Um, normally I keep it fairly low on the volume scale just because I only want to call a certain range. So like the top is like 30. I'll only keep it at like 18, 18 to 20 for that first five minutes, 10, 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes. Then I'll go back to the, the squeak, um, the lip squeak, and I'll play that just super loud and just let it echo out there. Um, I won't max it out, but 25, 26, and just let it squeak just to throw another sound, but a little further, just if they were not close and just couldn't hear the rabbit distress for some reason, or if they could, but they thought it was too far away. So I'll just crank up the volume a little bit and just let it, you know, just the sound just carry out there. Probably do that for mm, two, three minutes, and then I'll let it go quiet for 
two, three minutes, and then it's pup distress. <laughs> and when you, depends on, you know, the, the time frame, but if they're in mating mode, they're out looking, you turn on pup distress, you get ready. They come running in or what? They come charging in. That's awesome. I mean, it depends on the dog. If it's a younger one, they don't normally come charging in, but you get an adult a two, three, you know, even older dog, but something that isn't, you know, your younger class dog, normally they're ready to kick butt. Yep. They're either going to kick the butt of whatever's making that noise or whoever's making the animal make that, you know, the, the that pup distresses. That's usually when I'm with somebody, it's like, are you ready? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, what? And I was like, here comes the pup distress. And normally it's within minutes. Is that usually a female coming running into pup distress? I've had both. Normally, normally, yes, females. Um, but a lot of younger, the younger males will come. Normally, I remember one night we were calling and the coyotes weren't that far away. They were probably 200 yards from us. And when I, they wouldn't come to rabbit distress, I threw a locator uh, call at them. Of course, they you know, howled back, and you could tell there's like six of them over there. Um, and then I turned the rabbit distress back on. I mean, this was like a forty, almost an hour sit. I mean, they answered right away, called at them, nothing. Called at them with distress, nothing. Went back to like a female challenge call, you know, just to, hey, new dog in the area, come fight me, you know. Yep. Didn't want to play, and finally I threw on pup distress. You know, this is like 40 minutes in. I just didn't want to throw that pup distress at them because I knew they were there. I I don't know why they wouldn't come in, but I knew they were there, and I just didn't want to do that option yet. But, you know, I was tired of standing there, so I was like, oh, heck with it. Turned it on. Didn't turn it on real loud because I didn't want to blow them out, but I turned it on about halfway and just let it play. And it probably played for two minutes. All of a sudden, they all seven of them came running across an open field. They got in a fence line, and they, like, split. Um, three of them came right out front. And you could tell one of the three, I'm guessing, were the main alpha dogs. Mm -hmm. And the one, it was a, he was, I'm guessing it was a male. Could have been the female, but just a huge dog. Just a great big coyote. I mean, his frame was just huge. I mean, you would almost thought part wolf. That's awesome. He was a big dog, but he sat on the edge of the timber line, and he was just mad, but he would not come in. I mean, he was sitting at Smart. The, he was a smart dog. He evidently had, you know, played this game before. No. Um, but he sat at about 150 yards for 10 minutes, and he just sat down, and he would just bark and howl and just bark and how he was he was mad and he was telling me he was mad but he just would not commit and i would throw a challenge bark back at him and he would respond and i was like talking to this dog and i was like i don't even know what i'm saying to him but i'm making him mad <laughs> um yeah i think that whole stand lasted like an hour and a half that's the longest stand i've ever had um dog the other the other dogs that came in worked around the the five pack or the four pack that worked um, up that fence line when they split they actually got downwind to me 
and I watched them run across the field, but they did not go back to those other dogs, the, the three that are out front in front of me. They actually took off and went south. They just got out of Dodge. That Those other three dogs, um, the other two kept kind of working the fence line trying to get um, closer, but they would not come across this field. They had already came across one field, but they wouldn't cross the second field. They sat in that timber line at 150 yards, and that one just played with me for 15 minutes. And I was like, heck with you. I would throw everything at him, and I should have never probably thrown all those sounds at him because I think he just knew there was something not quite right. I probably should have played it safe and maybe just sat there quiet. But ever since then, it's like if a dog doesn't commit on the edge of the timber, just sit there quiet. And if they lose maybe throw a squeak at them if they lose you know interest throw a squeak at them again but almost always that that silence will always make them curious enough to come come nice. find you just don't throw a bunch of sounds at them because <laughs> they just get mad at you and then you get mad at them yeah it sounds like you threw the kitchen sink at them i did but I you should have just thrown some lead at them I, Is yeah. <laughs> really what it should have been yeah i just wanted him a little closer just I don't like shooting them at those long ranges. And maybe if you had a little bigger gun, you know, 243 or something a little bigger, that 223 past 100 yard, you know, it's a 200 yard gun for sure, yeah. 100 all day long. But just on that big a dog, I I just felt I would never find him. True. So I just never took the shot and I never did see that dog again. I don't know what ever happened to him. Hmm. But I called that spot like the next weekend, never found him. That was the biggest dog I've ever ever had come in you uh you ever see them hunt like uh timber lines and stuff yeah it's pretty neat i have a a video of a dog that was hunting a, a fence line and chasing a rabbit and i could see the rabbit you know he had his nose to the ground and he was you know smelling the rabbit and the rabbit was probably 20 30 yards in front of him running down the fence line while the dog was chasing That's him awesome but he couldn't see the rabbit, because the rabbit was on my side of the fence. The dog was on the other mm. side of the fence. But he he knew he knew something was there, but he hadn't caught up to it yet. I was out uh, bow hunting once and alongside some CRP, and I watched. There was three coyotes. There was one out in the field uh, falling along with the other two, just kind of offset from them. But those other two would chase rabbits out in the field, and the one in the field would get it, and they would all come up and eat then they would just keep repeating the process. That was that was actually really cool to watch. I didn't think anything they would do anything like that, but that just shows right there they're they're not dumb. No, they're not dumb. There is not a dumb dog out there. They they're all alive because they played the game. Normal normally all of them have played the game once. Yep. Well, Ty, I I loved having you on about this. We are, we also have recorded another podcast that'll come out probably around Christmas, I think. Um but thank you so much for coming. Even if you talked about those dumb flying things, <laughs> this I really enjoyed it. Uh, do you have anything else for us? Oh, you could go on and on and on, but yeah, I, I, uh, it's a fun sport. I mean, you can uh, really control your, you know, your predator pop populations at night. Um, I've walked into places and had deer at 30, 40 yards. Yeah. You turn on the collar and they actually get, you know, curious and they come, you know. Hmm. out there at night you know they can't physically they can see see you i guess make a shape out or whatever but they're just they're not used to seeing human activity so 
it's not like, you know, on your properties where you don't want to go in and chase deer out. Now, when you shoot the gun or whatever, you know, you might scare them a little bit. But I feel like at night, the pressure is just not there so that they're just, they take their guard down a little bit. Sure. So, you know, if you have a property where you're trying to manage deer or turkeys, you know, a little predator control really helps. So hunting at night is kind of where you can really achieve that um, time to control that population and not push your deer or turkey um, off your property. Yeah, sweet. Uh, Wesley, you have anything for us before we close out? Nope, I'm good. All right, perfect. Thank you again, Ty. It was a pleasure having you on, and we're going to hopefully convince Jill to let Wes come with us tonight and do some song dog hunting. There we go. As always, stay safe. Enjoy the hunt. And know the outdoors.